Uh, please just keep your Bible there, but it's actually, we're going to look at the, uh, that passage in the second part of my talk. It's a bit unusual today, it's not our, a normal sermon, uh, and so please just be aware of that. It is great to be here, and uh, it was great to be with the, the brothers and sisters at 10am this morning. There's a couple of the regular people I see here at 4.30 not here, but we've got a couple of people from the 10am service to, to replace them. It's like a substitution or something, I don't know, you know, like at the soccer, but... Uh, to get the full team, but uh, great to be here. And uh, one of the things I shared this morning is uh, uh, next year we're, we're structuring things slightly different just to enable me to come and be a part of Bexley North a little more often than I've been able to uh, since COVID, uh, now that things are back up and running across the place and all that sort of thing. So uh, God willing, I'll be coming and uh, preaching a little more often at Bexley North, both in the morning and here in the afternoon. So uh, you might either think that's an encouragement or a discouragement. I'll leave that with you. But uh, anyway, let's pray before we think about things together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for our church. Thank you especially for our fellowship here, uh, for the way you give us brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage us and to be encouraged by us. And we pray as we think about our church together this afternoon, as well as here from your word in 1 Peter, that you will encourage us, that you'll challenge us, and you will uh, help us be the church you want us to be. In Jesus' name, Amen. I uh, I got a little bit of a shock a couple of weeks ago when I uh, heard the Little Drummer Boy on the radio when I got in the car. I have a confession to make: the Little Drummer Boy is actually my favourite Christmas carol. Uh, there were people who actually heckled me for that this morning, but uh, uh, it's my favourite Christmas carol. But we never sing it at church. I've never had it sung at any of our carol service or anything because the Little Drummer Boy is not actually in the Bible. I hope that's not a shock to you, but. Uh, the little, little drummer boy is not in any of the four gospel accounts, uh, but it's my favourite Christmas carol. Uh, I, I actually sometimes look up on YouTube David Bowie singing The Little Drummer Boy. It's excellent. It's really good. But anyway, that's for you later on. Don't do it during the service. Uh, but uh, the reason it shocked me is I thought, it's that time of year again. Where, where, and, you know, Josh is just announcing our, our Christmas services, and uh, whatever you think of them playing Christmas carols in November, it just made me realise, we're in November already and uh, in November one of the things we do at St George North is uh, I go around and we just take a break from our normal sermon series don't worry we'll go back to two kings next week uh, well actually we won't for the carols but anyway we'll, we'll finish two kings over the next couple of weeks uh, we just take a break and have what we call vision Sunday where we just remind ourselves what are we on about uh, we take a chance to thank God for what he's done right across our parish uh, and we look ahead to what under God we are planning for next year. So that's what we're doing this afternoon. Uh, so this isn't a normal Sunday sermon in that sense. Uh, first, there's going to be a few different elements. First, we'll have an opportunity to pause. I'll remind us what we're on about as a church, and we're going to have a chance to give thanks to God. And I'm just warning you now, uh, I want to hand over to you at that point and give you the chance to share things that have encouraged you this year, ways you've been encouraged. Uh, second, we'll open up that passage from 1 Peter 4 uh, that he read for us a moment ago and uh, we're going to think about what we're on about as a church and what it means to be a part of that from that passage and then thirdly I'm going to share some plans and some key things for next year so that's what we're doing so first of all, uh, I want us to start my first heading is praise God for what he has done this year uh, one of the reasons I go around to our different congregations at this time of year is to remind all the members of St George North, that we are a partnership. So, you know, you've come along and you've joined this congregation here at Bexley North, uh, but actually we're a part of this bigger thing called St George North, which is a wonderful 
gift of God. Well, we have these different congregations, some that meet at Carlton, some at Bexley North. We have a small congregation that meets at uh, Bexley on a Wednesday. We've got a couple of people here who come to that. And uh, uh, we, all these different congregations, but we're united together in our mission and it enables us to do what we do better than we could do it as different little churches. And, and so it, it is an incredible gift of God, so much so that, in fact, uh, now they're copying the model of St. George North and doing it in all sorts of other places uh, because they've learned from, from how I've done it here. So the reason we have a youth group of, of 100 teenagers is, is because we work together. The reason we can run kids' church here on a Sunday morning uh, for our 10 a.m. service here is because people come from our 6.30 congregation, give up their Sunday morning and serve I- in that way. Uh, it, it's a great gift. Uh, but more than that, we're united in our mission. The book of Philippians talks about us being uh, Christians being partners in the gospel together. And so I really want you to, to encourage you to think this way about your church. When, when someone becomes a Christian at Carlton... That's because of your prayers, your support, you're a part of that. Just as when someone becomes a Christian here at Bexley North or or at Bexley or wherever, uh, the people at Carlton are a part of that. It's a wonderful blessing, that partnership in the gospel. We have it with our link missionaries as well. You know, when we support the newbies in the Philippines and and they share the gospel with someone, that's because of our support. It's an incredible blessing. So I want you to see what a blessing that is. So together as a, uh, as a parish, we have a vision statement, what our whole church is on about. And it's not rocket science. It's really just a very simple distillation of what the Bible says any church should be on about. If, if a church has a radical new vision statement, there's something wrong because the Bible's been saying the same thing for 2,000 years. Uh, so what are we on about as a church? We're on about glorifying God. That's why we exist. We exist to glorify God. We're not for our own glory. Everything we do is so that people will give the honour to God. That's what we want. And we do that especially in three ways. Firstly, we proclaim Jesus. The only way to know God and to find his forgiveness is through trusting in Jesus. Then nothing is more important than telling people about Jesus. Is that right? I'm I'm inviting you to agree with me at this point. I said this morning, I wanted our church to be a bit more African. Uh, When uh, when I went to Kenya and preached there, uh, I got up, you know, hi, I'm Phil. And they go, amen, yeah, yeah. I say here, you know, 100 people become Christians. People go, oh, good. You know, we, we, can, we can be a little more expressive in our culture. Let's be a bit more expressive. So telling people about Jesus, the most important thing we do. That's why proclaiming Jesus, front and centre. Second, amen, thanks, Evan. <laughs> Secondly, we do it by growing disciples because God wants every one of us not just to come to know Jesus, he wants us to become like Jesus. And that's what we want for every person who is a part of St. George North. That's why teaching the Bible is the centre of everything we do. Because that is how you grow as a disciple of Jesus. You hear his word, you listen, you respond in faith and repentance. Uh, That's one of the reasons we make such a big thing of people being in gospel teams, by the way, our midweek groups. Because we want every person, not just to be here on a Sunday, but every person to be encouraging one another, spurring one another on, praying together, doing those things. That's why we focus on the Bible in our youth ministry, in our children's ministry, in everything we do. We grow disciples. Then thirdly, We're on about serving together. So that's the third thing, serving together. We are convinced from the Bible that God gives every person in his church gifts that he wants us to use to serve his body, to grow the body of Christ, that is his church. So that, up on the screen, that is our vision uh, as a church. That is us together. We exist to glorify God. We do that by proclaiming Jesus, growing disciples, serving together. Well, how have we seen that happen this year? 
Well, can I tell you, there have actually been some wonderful encouragements in all of those areas this year. Uh, and I'm just going to share a couple. The first encouragement is a bit strange, but I just want to encourage you by the fact that so many of our ministries have actually happened this year. That's my first encouragement. If COVID has taught us anything, it's not to take the ordinary things, the normal things for granted. And it's just, I think it's just wonderful. We've got to November and we can say, wow, jitterbugs, our outreach to, to mums and, and toddlers here at Bexley North is happening again. And, and do you know, last week they ran out of room on the sign-up sheets. There were so many people came along. Isn't that wonderful? You know, uh, the snack, snack Youth, our Friday night youth group, is is thriving. And if you go down there on a Friday night, you'll just see loads of teenagers there to, to, to learn about Jesus. And how wonderful that they actually got to go away on the fit camp this year. And actually, those camps are so essential for our teenagers in terms of their spiritual development. Uh, the fact that Kids Plus is back up and going at Carlton on a Friday afternoon, and for the last few weeks, there's been over 100 kids there every Friday. Isn't that wonderful? 100 kids, very few of them church kids. Most are kids just from the local schools who come in. God willing, sometime in the future we'll be able to start Kids Plus again here at Bexley North when we have a critical mass of, of, of Christians in the local school where we can, we can build on that again. Uh, the fact that English for Life, our, our outreach to non-English speakers, is happening uh, on a Friday morning. Uh, just the fact that week in, week out, nearly every member of our church has been meeting in gospel teams, encouraging one another, praying together, uh, learning from God's word together. These things are wonderful. Now, you, you might think they're ordinary things that I've just shared, but I just want to remind you, they are wonderful things. And they haven't happened over the last couple of years. But this year, they've all been happening again. So praise God for that. But now I just want to share some particularly encouraging things with you. Uh, I mentioned before, this coming January will be my 19th birthday, it was not my 19th birthday, but my 19th birthday at St. George North. I look very old for my age. But uh, that, that's not the encouraging fact that, it's, that I've been here 19 years. But what it means is I've got 19 years to compare it to, 19 years in this parish. Uh, in fact, you know, it was a month after I started that the first congregation restarting Bexley North came. So that, that's when Bexley North was restarted, about a little less than 19 years ago. So how wonderful is that? But here's some highlights I want to share with you. Uh, firstly, this year, which isn't over, we're still in November, this year has seen more new people come to one of our church services than any other year for the last 19 years. Isn't that amazing? You can say amen or something to that. You can be a bit arrogant. You know, I think that's amazing. You know, uh, more new people have come to one of our church services over the last 10 months than came in any of the years previously, which I think is incredible. Uh, and more importantly, though, more of those people have locked in and joined our fellowship than in any other year. I think that's wonderful. Josh crunched some numbers for me here at Bexley North. We looked at the role. Uh, there have been 20 new people connect. So that's not visitors. That's 20 new people who've actually come and connected in here at Bexley North over the last two years. Isn't that wonderful? Remember, Bexley North starting from a smaller starting point than our Carlton congregation. So 20 new people have joined in the fellowship here across 10 a.m. and 4.30 uh, over the last two years. I think that's amazing. It's wonderful. Uh, just to encourage you in our partnership, at our two morning congregations at Carlton, now remember, they're staying from a much bigger size, so about 250 people in total, you know. Uh, uh, just over the last four months at those two services, 
77 visitors have come through the door. Isn't that amazing? Now, many of those people are just people who've come for the once or their family and friends or they've come and they're just in the area for the day or, or that sort of thing. That's okay. But many are people looking for a church to join and many are people who don't yet know Jesus. So, so how wonderful is that? We don't even have to go out and we have people come in, you know, before we even go out. Uh, and how wonderful that some of those people have come to know Jesus and others who already knew Jesus have, have joined us in fellowship. Uh, even more amazing, at our 6.30 church this year, now again, it's a bigger congregation. It's, it's our youth and, and so forth. Uh, now, 154 people have come to our 6.30 congregation for the first time in the last 12 months. Isn't that amazing? 154 people have just come through the doors. Now, many of those are visitors just coming once, but this is what I love, this number, the fact that 18 of those new people have joined a gospel team. Because that says 18 of those people have said, hey, I'm a part of this church and I'm, I'm, I'm joining in. And what's really encouraging, that doesn't include people coming out of the youth group into that congregation. It doesn't include like year 12s becoming adults or they tell me they're already adults, but you know what I mean. Um, uh, I think that's wonderful. And I could tell you other great stories from our other ministries as well. Uh, I mentioned our smaller Wednesday congregation, our traditional service there. New people have joined that too. Ask, ask Don about that. Our new people have come along. Uh, and uh, it's just wonderful the way that works. And the reason I share that with you is not for any sort of triumphalism or something like that. Uh, I share it because people in our world are constantly saying in your ear, the media is constantly saying in your ear, the church is dead. The church is dead. It's all, you know, don't worry about it. I just want to say, well, bring them to your church and, and say, hey, let me tell you about my church. I'll tell you whether the church is dead or not. The gospel doesn't die. It goes, sometimes there's strong times and sometimes there's ups and downs, but, but the gospel goes on and God is growing his church. And praise God, at this present time, he's growing it at St. George North and that is a wonderful blessing. Nothing can stop the gospel of our Lord doing its work. This brings me to an even more encouraging thing to share. I want to talk about what God has done through the life course. Now you might say, do Phil and Josh ever shut up about the life course? At that point, I want to say no and bad luck. So that's, that's my answer to that question because sharing Jesus is the most important thing we do and so we want to run that all the time. That's why we have the life course going all the time. This year, how wonderful we ran it for the first time here at Bexley North. So over the course of the year, we ran the life course five times uh, and the last one finished today. And you can pray. My next door neighbour was there today. You can pray for her that, uh, that she will have listened to the gospel. Uh, I haven't spoken to her since then to know. Uh, but uh, I want to share with you what's happened. Now, I don't want to share this number of people who have become Christians. Uh, I think that's nearly always unhelpful because evangelism is long, hard work. Uh, some people come along uh, and think they're a Christian and they actually aren't and they become a Christian by the end. I, don't care. I care whether they're a Christian at the end. You know, that's what I care about other people it takes a long time for them to actually get to the point of putting their faith in Jesus uh, but even so I want to share with you this year we ran it five times uh, which was a massive effort and I thank you if you've been involved in any of those uh, but how wonderful that when we ran it here at Bexley North earlier in the year 15 guests came along isn't that wonderful 15 guests came along here at Bexley North and then seven of those continued investigating with Josh afterwards and kept reading and others and others and kept reading the scriptures i think that's wonderful and across the five times we've run it this year in total uh as i say i, I don't know if there were more people today there might be but 64 guests have come to the life course isn't that wonderful 
And I'm not talking about, that doesn't include people from church. That doesn't include people from church going, well, there's loads of people from church who'd go each time. That's 64 of your and my friends and family who don't yet know Jesus coming along and hearing the gospel. And the life course is not like some intro. It, it shares the gospel. It's what it does. Uh, and so I just want you to praise God for that. But here's what I really love about that. If 64 guests have come, how many people must have been invited? I don't know about you, but my experience of trying to invite people to, to come and hear about Jesus is, is maybe one in five say yes, sometimes less than that. So if 64 people have, been, have come, how many people have been invited? must be 300, 400. That's actually the number that, that makes me praise God. Because that means people right across our parish are on board. That means there are lots of people praying for their non-Christian friends and family. There are lots of people inviting. In the end, it's up to God whether someone comes along and whether someone becomes a Christian or not. But uh, how wonderful that so many people are praying for their non-Christian friends and inviting them uh, and seeking to proclaim Jesus to them. That's what I love. Here's another thing I love. Of those 64 people that came along and not, not including the one today, 21 people in total have carried on investigating the faith. 21 people have, have wanted to know more about Jesus enough to come back week after week after week after, for like 10 weeks to keep reading Mark's gospel and keep asking their questions about Jesus and finding out more. Isn't that wonderful? And of those, I am aware of a good number who've made a commitment to follow Jesus. And in fact, wonderfully, uh, Troy shared with me uh, a couple of weeks ago, he said with us at our staff meeting about a, a, a young lady that came to the one here at Bexley North and who a couple of weeks ago decided to follow Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God. So if you were someone who was involved in that, you're a partner in that. God has used you and your prayers and your efforts for that person to come to know. It's worth it if one person becomes a Christian, isn't it? You know, but how wonderful that so many people. I think that's a great joy. Now I just share those couple of highlights. As I say, it's not to be triumphant or something. We've got so much more. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a thousand people come and, and hear the gospel? But I just want to encourage you. God is at work in your church. Praise God. God is at work. God is at work through the preaching of his gospel. People are hearing about Jesus. People are growing as disciples of Jesus. People are growing. And praise God, people are then using their gifts to serve Jesus. Uh, I want you to be encouraged. But now, this is always a scary moment for a preacher. I'm, I'm handing the mic over. Uh, I want you, I want, if there's something, an encouragement you'd like to share. It's not an opportunity for you to preach a sermon. I'm preaching the sermon. You're, uh, it, it's just, if there's something that, in, you know, 30 seconds or a minute that you'd like to share, something you've been encouraged by. It might be uh, a ministry you've been involved in that's been encouraging. It might be uh, a way you've grown through, through one of the sermons at, at, at church. It might be anything of that sort. Do you know what was a great joy? Last week at our 10.30 service at Carlton, a lady shared that she had become a Christian in the last couple of months in that time, which the, the whole place broke into applause. You know, it was, it was wonderful. Uh, that might be you. If it is, share it. Uh, but over to you. As I say, no sermons, please, just encouragements. <laughs> Put up your hand and Josh will get you the microphone. Frank. A deal. And 
it doesn't happen every day, but in most days we send each other a text of one verse that we've read that day. And so I read a chapter, he probably reads two because he's over, you know. Um, uh, but we, we pick a verse that says something that we think the other person would like to hear and that encourages both of us. Yeah. And I love to see that sort of encouragement. What encourages me most is what people, just individuals do in this church for each other. Mm. Thanks, Frank. Yeah. Do you know, Rob shared that story this morning and thanked God for you, Frank. <laughs> He thanked God for you sharing with him. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was actually going to say the life course as well, Phil. Um, particularly like term two for us at Bexley North, it was great to to not only obviously we, we know that we're, we're proclaiming Jesus, but also to see um, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ pitch in and, and serve together mm. for that as well. Like in the setup, in the running of it. Uh, to see Josh take the you know the guests through and then the pack up afterwards and everything to see everyone pitch in and know what the bigger picture is, and then we got the privilege of seeing uh, one gentleman who's not part of our church that he's got a bit of a unique circumstance, but he's actually coming along to our gospel team regularly. He's been coming along really regularly um, since like term two, three, four, um, and just his humility and recognizing God at work in his own um, life and his own situation that's just been really. Uh, yeah, really amazing. Thank you. Others? Up the back. Um, yeah, we just had the Kids Holiday Club um, in the term two holidays, and there was a lot of um, yeah kids that were from not necessarily like church families, so it was good to see them come and get to know some of the other kids and to yeah hear the word as well. Yeah. This kids' holiday club is always amazing. There were, it's like there were over 200 kids this year came and heard about Jesus. How wonderful is that? Yeah. Other things. Don't be bashful. Danny, down the front. Or Don on the way. <laughs> Your name's got to start with D if you want to share. Yeah. <laughs> um, before COVID came along on Wednesday mornings we, at Bexley, we used to have maybe eight people come along for Bible study. COVID came along and everyone was um, locked down and so um, we went over to uh, Zoom and uh, people enjoyed that so much that now when, on Wednesdays when we have Bible study we've got anywhere between 13 and, eight, and 18 people coming along. So the, uh, the Bible study numbers and attendance grew uh, through COVID and has continued because people have suddenly realised they enjoy getting together and sharing and uh, encouraging each other in that way. Yeah, that's great. Danny. Um, I'm at T10 in the mornings and this year I was blown away by our Hebrews um, series, which was just amazing. Uh, and... Since these guys are here, having Meliani and Olivia in the group together was just so good. They are both so amazingly encouraging. Oh, Amen. Not that I was in the group, but I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Is there any final person who wants to share a word of encouragement? People are too bashful. That's all right. I'll share one more. Oh, Tavita, over here. Yeah. Thank you. Among many things, 
that I am not attending regularly in the congregation, but the things that I was able to attend very encouraging. We have a Bible study in our congregation in Tongan language, in Hebrews, and it's going to be end next Saturday. I try to make sure to attend to listen one or two sermons from the sermon library uh, on Hebrews, and I found it very, very encouraging. So that small Bible study group, you don't know, but it's really very, very strong and growing, especially tough uh, message of Hebrews, which is very new for uh, a lot of them, but it's very encouraging, and thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, now Olivia's going to share. One more person, and then it becomes a way. Yeah. Um, I think I'm just amazed for the Wednesday group that we have that the ladies are from 60s to 97. And their zeal, those, those older than me, <laughs> um, it's really amazing. It's really amazing and encouraging because I thought after I retired, that's it. <laughs> uh, thanks, Olivia. None of them are here today. Somehow Josh and I allowed our student ministers to not be here today. Uh, they're on holidays, but uh, having finished their studies for the year. But I just want to encourage you. I, I uh, think our student ministers here at Bexley North, I don't like, I'm not comparing to past or anything like that, but Marcus and Naomi and Lama have been such wonderful servants amongst the two congregations here and uh, are worth praising God for. And if I encourage you here at Bexley North, Lama is uh, considering going into the mission field and uh, God willing that that might happen. Uh, and uh, uh, it's pretty amazing the number of people who have been sent from Bexley North. It's amazing the number of people have gone from all of St. George North. But from Bexley North, you think the newbies came here to, to Bexley North in the morning and, and then we've sent them out to the Philippines. The Blousers came here to Bexley North and we've sent them out. And Lama has been a part of this congregation here and God willing we'll send him out. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? I, I think per capita, I'd, I'd be amazed if there is a... Uh, a, a congregation. If you just took Bexley North, the number of people have been sent out. It is quite amazing. We should praise God for it. I just want you to be encouraged by all those things. Uh, and uh, if you were too bashful to share in the bigger group, over dinner later on, share with the people at your table something that's an encouragement to you. But uh, be encouraged. But now we're going to sing again uh, before I come back and talk from 1 Peter 4. Sorry, you're getting extra today. Uh, and so we're going to sing, Let Your Kingdom Come. So let's stand and sing together. Now to that uh, reading we had before from 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, you might, amen, yeah. You might remember earlier in the year we studied 1 Peter in our gospel teams. I say you might remember because sometimes I don't remember what I preached on last week. But uh, uh, when we were studying 1 Peter, this little passage actually jumped out at me. I remember on a Wednesday night our group was looking at it and it just really stuck with me and I, I wrote a note, come back to it, and, uh, and that's what I'm doing today. I want to, the reason is it raises a really wonderful theme that I want to explore for us today and with us today and that is that the Christian life is all about glorifying God in the ordinary things. That's, that's the theme. The Christian life is about glorifying God in the ordinary things. So come with me to verse 7 of 1 Peter 4, and it says, Now the end of all things is near. 
Now that is a, a massive statement. That is a far from ordinary thing to say. It's that incredible truth that Jesus is coming back in glory to judge the living and the dead. This world will not go on forever. God has appointed a time for the return of Jesus. And that is actually just a massive theme of all of the scriptures. Uh, and, and it's actually come out of every book we've studied this year at church. We, you know, even in Matthew's Gospel, we, we looked at those passages about the return of Jesus. Uh, 1 Peter, Hebrews really focuses on the return of Jesus. Even 2 Kings, it's been, been a theme. And that's actually because it is one of the fundamental truths of Scripture. Uh, this truth, we live in the end times. In fact, I want to say that that truth is the most important truth you need to know if you are to understand how to live as a Christian. To be a Christian, to live as a Christian, is to be someone who lives waiting for Jesus to return. That's what it is. We, we don't believe this world is all there is. We think, no, no, we are looking forward to the return of Jesus. Jesus has already done everything he needs to do in his first coming. He's died for your sins. He's risen from the dead to defeat death once and for all. And so now Jesus can return at any moment in glory. That's what the scriptures tells us. We're not waiting for something else to happen. Jesus could come back tonight. He could come back tomorrow. It could be another thousand years. We don't know. And in fact, the only reason Jesus has not returned is to allow the gospel to be preached so that more people can come and find the forgiveness that we have come to know. And so to live as a Christian is to live in the light of that fact. Christians are people who are living, waiting for Jesus to return. So while we wait for Jesus, what are we to do? Well, I think the end of our little passage gives us the answer to that. We're to live for God's glory. Look down at the end of verse 11. To live so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So you see, we, as we wait for Jesus to return, we live for the glory of God. That's what it is to be a Christian. Now, what does that look like? How do you do that? To live as someone glorifying God while we wait for Jesus to return... It can sound like that must mean, therefore, you must go do something massive with your life. And, and some people will do massive things to glorify God. Some people will get on a plane and, and take the gospel to people who've never heard it. Some, some people will stand up in front of thousands, tens of thousands of people and preach the gospel to stadiums. That, some people will do that. But what I find really interesting in the New Testament, and what struck me in this little passage, is that it doesn't say... Therefore, go and find your massive thing to do. It doesn't say that. Instead, living to glorify God while we wait for Jesus expresses itself for most of us in really ordinary ways. See, look back at the passage. He says, now the end of all things is near. And then the next line is not, so get on a plane to Mongolia and tell people about Jesus. Go and sign up with CMS. Though I pray regularly that people from our church will do that. But what does it then say? It says three really ordinary things. It says, one, devote yourself to prayer. Two, love your church family. Three, use your gifts to serve. Three very ordinary things. I'll go through each in turn. First of all, devote yourself to prayer. Look at verse 9 again. It says, therefore, be serious and disciplined for prayer. See, if we are someone who is living, waiting for Jesus to return, so living for God's glory, the best thing we can do is pray. I think we all give intellectual assent to that, but most of us don't believe it because most of us are activists. We, we think, no, no, I've got to do something. But actually the best thing you can do is pray. Pray for God's work. 
in people's lives. Pray for God's will to be done. Do you notice here how he talks about being serious and disciplined for prayer? This goes back to the point Frank raised in that, that time before. The Bible's not naive. It, it takes effort to pray. It takes effort to get up each day and, and read your Bible and, then, and pray, and especially to form good habits of prayer. We are easily distracted. Very few Christians pray naturally. Most of us struggle. I'll let you in on a secret here. Many, many Christians come to church and they think everyone else has got it all together. And they think everyone else gets up every morning and has an hour prayer time and an hour Bible reading time and they're the only person who, who struggles. That is not the case. Many of your brothers, there are some who, who find praying easy for a time, but most of us struggle to pray regularly. And that's why I think it says there, be serious, be disciplined. Prayer takes effort. Secondly, love your church family. Look at verse 8. Says above all, maintain an intense love for each other, since love covers a multitude of sins. The each other there is your brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're called to love our whole world. Jesus says, love your neighbour, and then he expands the definition of neighbour to include anyone you, you come into contact with in the parable of the Good Samaritan. But the primary calling for Christians is to love their brothers and sisters in Christ, and in particular your church family. Now again, this is so ordinary but so profound. What are we to do if we want to glorify God while we wait for Jesus? Pray and love one another. It's so simple, isn't it? And do you notice how it puts in the word intense love there? I don't like that word. That sounds like, you know, you're sort of eyeballing someone. It, earnest might be a better translation. It, it's maintain an earnest love for each other. It's the same as with the prayer. It's saying make an effort. It, it's a sense of effort and commitment to love one another. This is why God's word is so adamant that Christians meet with their brothers and sisters in Christ. We saw it in Hebrews, don't we? Do not give up meeting together. Because how can you love one another if you do not meet together? It's why the Bible has so many exhortations that you should build one another up, that you should care for one another, that you should do all those things, share our lives with one another. The Bible is adamant about that because that is our job. As we wait for Jesus, we are to love one another. And that's where verse 9 comes in. Look at verse 9 where it encourages us to practice hospitality, be hospitable to one another without complaining. Uh, in the ancient world, they didn't have motels and hotels. So hospitality is actually having someone, when a Christian came to your town, you had them in your home and they, they lived with you. Uh, I think for us it extends to sharing our lives with one another, having people into our homes and not in that way where we then complain about them afterwards. You see that? Without complaining. It's actually being open and generous with what we have with one another. What does it mean there when it says that love covers a multitude of sins? You see that? Uh, I mean, Jesus' love covers a multitude of sins, doesn't it? Because his death pays for our sins. I don't think that's what it's talking about here. I think it's just saying, if in your church family you seek to love one another, it's amazing how much sin is averted. Sin just actually evaporates in the face of love. Just think about it. You know, uh, when you respond with forgiveness instead of hate, love has overcome sin. It's ended there. When, when you respond to gossip with silence rather than passing it on, love has overcome sin at, at that point. When a harsh word is met by grace rather than retaliation, love has overcome sin. See, love puts an end to sin. Now my point again is, it's so ordinary, isn't it? It doesn't make it easy, but it's so ordinary. 
What are you going to do to glorify God while you wait for Jesus to return? Well, if you want to be going into the mission field, come and talk to me. But for all of us, what are we going to do? Commit ourselves to prayer and commit ourselves to loving one another. Then thirdly, use your gifts to serve. Look from verse 10. It says, based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. It's the reason that serving together is so central to what our church is on about. Uh, it's because it's central to God, what God says the Christian life is about. Sometimes I think people think, you know, Josh or I get up here and say, we want every person serving uh, because, you know, we're, we're like on a pyramid selling scheme. You remember Amway in the 70s and 80s? It's like, you know, if we can just get more people serving, we can grow our church. And there's, there's truth to that. But in the end, why do I want every person in our church to serve? It's because that's what God wants for you. It's because that's the essence of the Christian life. I am not a good pastor if I am not encouraging you to serve. Josh is not a good pastor if he is not encouraging you to serve. You see, service is the essence of what it is. We're to use the gifts God has given us to serve one another to build his church, to build the body of Christ. Do you notice there, Luke verse 10 again, that's how it talks about the varied grace of God. It, it's the point is, God actually gives us different gifts. Some people are great speakers. Some people struggle to share a word. Some people have incredible gifts of administration. Other people couldn't organize their way out of a paper bag. You know, it, it, it's, we have all these different gifts in our body. Whatever your gifts are, they are to be used for the service of Jesus, for the service of your brothers and sisters. But again, I want you to see how ordinary it is. It sounds so massive when we say, we exist to glorify God, you know, by proclaiming Jesus and da, da, da. It, it sounds so massive when we think the end is near, so glorify God. And it is massive. It's the most important news in all of history. But then for us, it will play out in the ordinary things of life. And this is not just in the life of the church, by the way. In your family, in your home situation, how do you glorify God? By treating one another with love and grace rather than harshness. In your workplace, how do you glorify God? By the way, you get on and just doing the small things faithfully and being the person people can rely on at work. Working as if working for the Lord, is how it puts it in 1 Thessalonians. You see, we glorify God by being faithful in the ordinary, in the small decisions. It's interesting, you know, how does God grow his church? There's a couple of times in history where God has grown, like the book of Acts, you know, where God has grown his church where thousands of people become Christians every day and, and the, the church has just grown exponentially. Most times during history, how has God grown his church? Through one individual Christian praying for their next door neighbour and inviting them along and sharing Jesus with them. But actually more than one, lots of individual Christians doing that. God grows his church as individual Christians are captivated by Jesus, want to live for him, and then they do these ordinary things. They pray, they love one another, and they serve. That's how God grows his church. At our men's night a few weeks ago, our speaker said at the end, his last point actually, he said the secret to being a godly man is really simple. Uh, he said it's 90% just turning up. And his point was it's 90% just actually persevering, doing the small things. How do you glorify God in your life? Praying each day. How do you glorify God in your life? coming to church every week, coming to your gospel team every week and encouraging and loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. How do you glorify God in your life? Working out what gifts has God given me? How can I use them to serve him and to serve my brothers and sisters? It's so, so simple. So as we talk about what we're on about, 
And we say glorifying God by proclaiming Jesus, growing disciples, serving together. Those things can sound massive, but I want you to realize the call on you is to do the ordinary things. That's the call. See, the key to us glorifying God is not so much great programs and great ministries, though we have them in our church. How wonderful. But the key is ordinary Christians like you being gripped by the gospel and then pray. Ordinary Christians like you being gripped by the gospel and quietly getting on with sharing the gospel with your family and your friends. It's every one of us speaking the word of truth and love to one another at every chance. It's every one of us using our gifts. They should be ordinary things, but how wonderful that God uses them to grow his church. Well, now, I want to look ahead to next year, and in the light of that, uh, I want to ask you to commit or recommit yourself to doing three ordinary but wonderful things. So that's what I want to ask you to do. So the first is I want to ask you to commit yourself or recommit yourself to prayer. Prayer in general, but prayer for your church especially. That's the first thing. And I know though, and I am conscious, as I said before, of how many of us struggle with establishing good habits of prayer and Bible reading. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, uh, but, but if I did, what I said before I think would be true. Most of us would say we struggle. To, to, to have good habits of Bible reading and prayer. Uh, and it's funny how even this encouragement to devote yourself to prayer can make you feel guilty. It, it's, it's funny how God's Word sometimes does that. Uh, well, next year as we start the year, we actually want a major focus to be helping every member of St. George North, right across all our congregations, develop good Bible reading and prayer habits, good habits of daily Bible reading and prayer. And we're actually going to roll out a program. I said before about programs, but you know what I'm saying, a program to help that happen. And I want to share with you the thing that has encouraged me more than any other conversation I've had in the last six months. That's how encouraging this has been. Now, you might think I need to get out more often. But uh, Kevin Stepniewski, many of you know Kevin, our children's minister. Uh, Kevin, for, for, ever since I've known Kevin, we've prayed regularly about the fact he's struggled to have good daily habits of Bible reading and prayer. And about three years ago, he, did this, he read this book on forming good habits. And he, and he came up with a program for himself to help himself form good habits of Bible reading and prayer. And he shared with us a few weeks ago, I'll, I'll get the number wrong, but it was something like he has now prayed and read the Bible every day for over 700 days in a row. I think he said he's missed two in 700 days. Isn't that, that's amazing. You know, that's worth an amen. But, you know, now I'm sharing that with you not to blow Kevin's trumpet. But what Kevin then did is he tried to share that with 30 young guys at our 6.30 congregation, this, this, thing he's come, this thing that's helped him form these habits. And all 30 of these young people who've done it at 6.30 church have shared how they have grown, some massively, some in small ways, in the habit of regular Bible reading and prayer. Isn't that wonderful? See, this is what I'm talking about, the ordinary things. That will transform a church more than a Billy Graham crusade does. Can I tell you, if you that, that's actually the truth, that if every member of our church prayed every day, that would transform the life of our church more than any crusade that, that packed out the town hall. Uh, now, I'm sharing that. It was wonderful. Last week at 60 Church, two of the young people there shared, I didn't used to read my Bible and pray, but Kevin shared this thing, and now I'm reading my Bible and praying. How good is that on the open mic time? So next year to start the year, we're actually going to roll that out. And anyone who wants to be a part of this little little group can get involved. So if you're someone, if you're already in great habits, I say praise God for you and keep quiet and encourage other people to do this. But if you're someone who struggles with it, get on board. 
as we do that to start next year. We want everyone in the church to benefit from that. Second thing is, I want to ask you to commit yourself or recommit yourself to loving your church family. I want you to commit yourself to sharing your life with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Recommit yourself, for many of us, to fellowship each Sunday in our gospel team during the week. I think it's interesting, across the the whole parish, uh, there is uh, a large majority of our church who've come out of COVID, if I can put it that way. I I know people are going to tell me there's still COVID and that sort of thing, but come out of all this lockdown time and that sort of thing, and they've they've come back with a vengeance, and they're back into good habits of, of being in regular fellowship. But there is a proportion of our church, and I'm pretty sure I'm probably preaching the converted because you're here, uh, but there's a proportion of our church who are not back in good habits, who, who, who just haven't got back in the habit of week in, week out, being here to encourage our brothers and sisters Christ, being a part of our fellowship, being a part of gospel team. So I want to invite you, uh, take the opportunity to recommit to that. Just sort of draw a line under this, this last couple of years and say, no, 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 I'm committed to loving my church family. And I love them first and foremost by being a part of my church family. Then on a big scale, uh, there is a key date to get in your diary now. Uh, Do you know how many emails I've had from people asking, are we finally going to have the big day out? And the answer is yes, God willing. So I want you, this is the one time I like people being on their phones. Okay, so I don't like people being on their phones during church normally. But if you have an electronic calendar, I want to ask you to put the 11th of March, 9am to 4pm, in your phone calendar, or if you get home, write in your paper, if you're like me and have a paper diary, write it in there straight away. Why do I want you to be a part of that? Well, for those who don't know, the big day out is when all of St George North across all our congregations come together and we actually get to hear about everything that's happening right across the church and meet together and encourage one another. And I think that is actually essential for what we're on about at St George North. Every week, people in our Carton congregation congregation to ask me, how is Bexley North going? How is the congregation of Bexley going? And Because they, they, they are praying for you. And so this day is so important. Not, we don't only get together and hear God speak through his word uh, and think on important things together, but it's a chance to come together and say, we're in this together, we're in partnership. So I am really serious when I say, please treat that date as a non-negotiable. If your cousin says they're getting married on the 11th of March, Say, you're not a close enough relative. I'm not coming. If it's, you know, your immediate family, well, tell them, change the date, you know. But, and people think I'm joking. I'm serious. But, uh, you know, if your kids have sport, if, if, if you, you've got work, you've got so much time because I'm giving you the date now. And in the next couple of weeks, the sign-ups will come out for you to be a part of that. So, but put it in the calendar now. Uh, thirdly, though, let's commit ourselves to serving our Lord and our brothers and sisters at church like God wants us to. Uh, it's amazing how much the New Testament focuses on how every person has been given gifts. It's, just, it's a constant teaching in the New Testament. Every person has been given gifts, and those gifts are given to us not for our benefit, but for build up one another in Christ. So here is my dream for 2023. Don't worry, I've shared this with all congregations. I'm not singling 4.30 at Bexley North out. But it's that every member of 4.30 at Bexley North would be serving as a part of at least one serving team here at church. I say at least one because some people serve in the music team and they lead a gospel team and they're on parish council. You know, there are some people who, who have a myriad of gifts and are able to use them in multi, multiple ways. But wouldn't it be great if every person was serving in a, in a real sacrificial way, in a way that takes a real... I'm not talking about just being on an occasional roster. I'm talking about being a part of a team where you're serving regularly. 
And what do I mean by a ministry team? I mean an area where you serve together with your brothers and sisters in a meaningful way with other people in the life of our church. It could be the music team, uh, could be uh, a kids' ministry team, could be the youth team, could be leading a gospel, could be on parish council, could be doing admin support during the week, uh, could be the English for Life team, could be a part of Jitterbugs on a, on a Wednesday morning. It, I've, I've left off a myriad of things, I'm sure. But my point is there are so many ways. Uh, no one can ever say there isn't an opportunity for, you, for me to use my gifts. Uh, at St George North, I don't think. Uh, and the wonderful thing is, I think I'm preaching the converted here because I look around, so many of you are already living this out. For the next little while, I want you to prayerfully consider what gifts has God given you. As I look ahead to 2023, how can I be using those gifts uh, in service? And Josh will talk to you about that. Uh, but for now, as I finish, let's. Com- I've spoken long enough. Let's commit to glorifying God in the ordinary ways. I want to ask you: commit yourself to prayer. Commit yourself to loving your church family and commit yourself to using your gifts to serve God and serve one another. And as we do that, we will glorify God as we wait for Jesus to return.